The following program deals with mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. And welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. You could also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app anywhere across the country. If you download that app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM, and you could be listening, as I say, anywhere, anytime, right across the country. I'd like to welcome uh, two people to the show today. Uh, first in the studio, joining me is Cornelia Principal. She's the producer of Prey, and it's a uh, documentary film. Also on the line with me, I have Rod McLeod, and he is uh, one of the people that is featured in this documentary. He is a sexual abuse survivor, which this film has to do with. And welcome both of you to the show today. Thank you, David. Thank you. So uh, I think we're going to start with Cornelia, Rod, so just hang on a minute. I think what I'd like to ask Cornelia is, uh, when did you get when did you get brought into this film and the idea of of wanting to get involved with prey, mm-hmm. um, which of course, as we mentioned, is is uh, partly uh, to do with Rod uh, McLeod's story of his uh, his uh, sexual abuse that mm-hmm. took place. Um, the idea to do a documentary about uh, clergy uh, sexual abuse has been um, really probably about. Years, years in the making, maybe about 10 years. My mm. partner, Matt Gallagher, who's the director, and um, my producing partner uh, grew up Catholic, was an altar boy. And um, when things started coming out about 15, 20 years ago, he had heard about priests that he knew growing up who were who were being um, accused of sexual assault. And he knew of people that he grew up with who were also survivors. And so the idea of doing a documentary about this has been really sort of in the ether for us for many years, and we would mm. talk about it periodically. And then about a year and a half ago, in February of 2018, Matt um, finally said, I'm, I'm going to make a phone call and, and start actually looking into this, because we just didn't know how to tell the story. Right. Um, and he called uh, a childhood friend of his who was a survivor. He was abused by Father Hod Marshall, who's the priest that we actually focus on in Prey. And Patrick... Uh, introduced him to Rob Talek, mm-hmm. who's the mm-hmm. lawyer, and to Rob. And within weeks, we were making this documentary. So it it, ha- it was a long time coming, and then when it started, it happened very quickly. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, it has done very well since it, you launched it, yeah. uh, winning a couple of awards. You won the Rogers Audience Award for Best Canadian Documentary at the Hot Docs 2019, and also the DGC, a special jury prize for yeah. Best Canadian Feature Documentary at yeah. the Hot Docs 2019. Yeah. And um, uh, again, you say this goes back, and I believe it's mentioned in the, in the, the film itself, yeah. about this being about a 10-year uh, sort of uh, sojourn that, that it takes to, yeah. to come to fruition. Yeah. Well, I mean, originally the, the priest was, um, was convicted, yes. and he went to jail. Mm. And... Um, after his conviction, a lot of his survivors were coming forward and uh, starting civil cases. Mm. And so that was all in the works for mm. years. And then when we met Rod, um, that was the first case that was going to trial. And yes. that was really um, what we realized was a way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the stuff that's done... Um, Sort of quietly behind closed doors, the, the mediation that goes on, the the um, there's usually some kind of non-disclosure agreement. So you know, press aren't allowed in there. No one talks about it. It's very mm-hmm. hidden. It's been it's been going on for years, but no one knew about it. But um, Rod wanted to make it public. Yes. And so when when we sort of entered into it, it sort of really was a um, a situation where we were providing him a chance to tell his story on a you know, even bigger scale than, than than in the courtroom. And, of course, uh, Father Marshall, he served, I, th- I think, about 16 months yeah. out of a two-year yeah. sentence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also the other thing that complicated, I guess, the story to some degree is that he passed away yeah. uh, during this process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. However, uh, as, as anyone that could watch the film see, uh, he does leave a video confession, yeah. which is part and parcel of, of this as well. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty powerful. And the interesting thing about that video confession, it was done 
before his death, mm. and it was used in many different civil cases that that Rob Talek, the lawyer, was was uh, pursuing. But the videotape was sealed from the public yes. because of this process. But yes. once it was presented in court mm. at Rod's trial, it became public. Right. And so we were able to use it. So really, if if Rod hadn't gone to trial and he if he hadn't gone through all the way to the end, this uh, you know that video would never been. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to switch over, Rod, to you for a moment, if you don't mind. And the first thing I would like to say to you is, uh, is I, I think we all appreciate how difficult this would have been for you to come forward and share this. And I know it, it took a lot of strength to do this. Um, and you probably had many a day when you were questioning if this was the right thing to do. Um, but you, you, you came forward and you thought it was very important to bring this story forward, not only uh, for yourself, but also to help those other people that, that suffered. And uh, so, you know, thank you for having the courage to do so. Thank you. Do you mind if you, could you briefly just describe, uh, in, you know, however briefly you want to make that, uh, when, what happened uh, for people that don't know the story? Uh, well, um, I went to high school, and uh, my uh, high school uh, uh, phys ed teacher was uh, Father Hod Marshall, and uh, uh, the gym was uh, down at a lower level than the school, and uh, it was a new gym, and they had uh, built uh, shower change rooms and an office down at this lower level, and that's where he uh, had his lair, if you will, um, it had uh, windows uh, looking out onto the gym and a door uh, looking into the passageway from the gym to the showers. And uh, what he had was Venetian blinds on all of the uh, of the windows and the door so that he could close it off completely. And uh, basically what he would do is, uh, as I was going from the the gym to the um, to the showers, he would grab me and pull me into his office, close the door, uh, put his uh, put me between his desk and his leg, so he kind of pinned me there, and then he'd start by uh, kind of tickling you, and then very soon he would be uh, underneath your your clothes and and fondling you. So that's how it all started, and because we had Fizet in those days, three days a week, he had lots of opportunities. Uh, to grab me and pull me in, so uh, that's where it all started. But um, then I finally uh, figured out what he was about and uh, started avoiding him every which way. And so uh, then he uh, he started showing up at my house, and and his excuse there was that he was going to take me out and show me how to drive the car. So uh, that's uh, that's how it progressed from there. Mm. Um, during this time. Uh, what was your what was your sense about uh, you knew this? I'm guessing you, you you probably knew at your gut level this was not right, but but what was your sense of it? Well, it was extremely uh, confusing. First of all, um, it was you know I'd been brought up Catholic, so you believed you were taught that uh, priests were you know uh, uh, a higher authority that they could do no wrong and. Uh, uh, and here was a priest doing something that that was wrong, you know, and, and so you couldn't quite reconcile the two. And, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it was pleasurable, uh, but it was shameful at mm-hmm. the same time. You know, uh, in his office, for example, uh, uh, of course, he, he would uh, uh, leave me with an erection and I'd have to go from from his office to the change room. Uh, so I'd have to pull my, my T-shirt out and pull it down to try and hide the fact that I, I had an erection. And uh, so obviously, you know, you, all all your friends are in there, and uh, the last thing you want to do is to, to show up like that. So it was uh, very uh, shameful, and, and there was always the fear that someone would, would uh, walk in and, and catch you. And, uh, of course, me being a, uh, a young lad and him being a priest, it would be all my fault, and... Uh, Everything would flow from there, so it was uh, it was a very um, uh, very stressful period. Uh, at one point in the film, when you in, during the mock trial, um, they're 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 questioning you, and uh, they they asked you uh, how, how you felt, or I think how 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 it left you. And I, I believe that that the word you you were you you came out with was 
uh, a sense of, of unworthiness. You, you didn't feel worthy. Yes, well, this was how I felt about my life ever after, you see. Whenever I'd have a great success in my life, whether it was family success or business success or whatever, then I would have this, this feeling just come over me like a wave of, of I'm not worthy to, to have uh, this, this success. And, uh, of course, very soon afterwards, uh, all that success would melt away. Yeah. Um, so at, at some point, though, you decided that this that you wanted to come forward this and share this. Uh, how did you how did you begin the process? Well, it's all because of uh, people like yourself. I was listening to a radio show, a CBC radio show at night in my car. And the, the topic was uh, sexual predators. And uh, they were talking about how these people are serial they you know they never stop with one they go one after the other after the other and uh, they were they were you know explaining their modus operandi and of course it rang incredibly true to me because everything they were saying was exactly what had happened to me and uh, then at the end they said now look if you've been sexually abused you owe it to all the people that are potentially coming after you to come forward in order to stop this serial uh, predator in his tracks. And you see, I had never thought of this. I had always believed that I was the only one. And I, my, my way of dealing with it was to, to, to hide it deep and not think about it and, and just uh, try and block it out completely. Mm-hmm. And I'd never thought about all the other people coming after me. So I was, I was devastated when I heard that. I thought, my God, what have I done? And so of course I immediately Googled and found that, uh, uh, Marshall was in prison, so I thought, oh, okay, well, at least that's that's over with. And uh, it was a few months later that I was watching a news program, and the, Rob Talick, the lawyer, was on, and he was saying, look, if you've been sexually abused, we need you to come forward in order to put a stop to it. So that's when I got a hold of him, and um, uh, he explained how uh, this is still going on today, and uh, the only way we can stop it is by... Uh, uh, putting the, the story out in the public so that people know what's going on and uh, that we're able to finally uh, put an end to this uh, horrible scourge on humanity. And you mentioned uh, uh, Rob Talek, the lawyer, and uh, he's uh, also known as the priest hunter. It's not the first time he's taken on a case of this nature. Oh, he's, he's up over 400 cases now that he's brought against the uh, mainly the Catholic Church for uh, sexual uh, abuse of minors. And when you first met him, what was your sense uh, of him? Well, he's very, uh, well, first of all, he's a lawyer that when you call, he picks up the phone. I mean, that that's pretty, <laughs> that was uh, pretty amazing to begin with. Uh, but all through the process, he, he, uh, he listens to his clients. Uh, that's been my experience. He listens to you and, and he follows what you, um, say to him you know he, he it's not just a um, a, a dead less listening it's it, it, he listens and incorporates what you're saying so it, it, it was one, an absolutely wonderful experience to uh, to work with him mm. and of course the other thing uh, rod is that you you've you've said this in the film as well you said this was not about the money for you it was about trying to get the story out there and to help others well, it was really my uh, penance, if you will, using a uh, um, a Catholic term or, or one that's associated with the, the Church very often. Um, I had, for 55 years, buried it in order to try and save myself, with no thought whatsoever to all my fellow uh, sufferers uh, and all the, the uh, people that came after me. And uh, uh, I felt in order to atone for that, I had to go and do this and to, to uh, make the, the, the public aware of what was going on with the hope that uh, real change could come from that. So uh, that, that's why it wasn't about the money for me at all. It was about getting the message out and getting real change to come uh, as a result of that. I'd just like to let everyone know that they're listening to Element FM, and this is Moment of Truth. You're listening in Toronto and Ottawa. 
I have guests on the show today, Rod McLeod. He is a sexual abuse survivor, uh, one of the people who are featured in the film Prey, which we are talking about. The other person in the studio with me is Cornelia Principal. She's one of the producers and also the partner of the director, Matt Gallagher. And it is a riveting uh, film that is going to be uh, online premiere uh, tomorrow at 9 p.m. Uh, on uh, TVO broadcast. Yeah. Um, Rod, one more thing I'd like to uh, ask you, and that is, has are you able to at least have now put some of this behind you? Are, do you feel like you're on a healing path now? Well, it's it's very. You're quite right. It's it's a path. You know, it's not a, an instantaneous uh, thing at all. But uh, yes, I, I do believe the, the biggest thing for me has been going to the various venues where the uh, the documentary has been shown and. Uh, mixing with people after the documentary uh, who come up and share their stories with me. Because, as I say, there's so much shame associated with this. And unfortunately, the shame is on the victim, and it should be on the predators. And uh, as a result, no one talks about it. And uh, the, when you when you give people a venue that allows them to talk about it, uh, the stories come gushing out. And it's 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 definitely the first step for people to to finally heal is to start talking about it. Again, uh, going back to and looking back at this, uh, how this happened uh, through the, the the court case, the way it was dealt with from the side of the church, uh, and of course with your uh, with with the priests involved, um, has your has your your vision or your your faith, I guess, even in in humanity, been uh, permanently damaged, or would you say it's renewed? How would you how would you address that? Well, I I would say it's been clarified. Mm. You see, being brought up Catholic, you are indoctrinated with the idea that you know priests and bishops and cardinals and, and the Pope, of course, are all you know sacrosanct, and they are uh, above report, reproach, and they, they can do no wrong, all of this sort of thing. Well, it, it took going through this whole process for me to finally shake myself off from that, from that indoctrination and training. You know, going into the, the trial process, I thought that, you know, that uh, these people were, were uh, good people, that they had good intentions, and, and my experience through it all has been the exact opposite. They have no empathy whatsoever for the victims. They're only concerned about maintaining their wealth and position. They, they treat the sexual abuse victims as, as a nuisance uh, and, uh, and as a, a, a profit-making uh, corporation. That's how they act. They work through their lawyers. They delay everything as long as possible. They, um, uh, yeah, they, it, it's, it's been a real eye-opener for me, but I... Um, I, 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 it took a while to, to finally come to that realization that uh, here an organization set up to do good and just do some good could be so evil at the same time. It's, it's such a dichotomy. Mm. But, um, um, but I, I haven't lost faith in, in, the, uh, in the, the human race. And my, my, uh, my relationship with God is direct now, which I highly recommend to everyone. <laughs> Don't allow otherwise to get in between you and God, just go direct to him. And uh, I think that's a much uh, healthier way to, uh, to exist on this planet. Mm, nicely said. Uh, and thank you for, for sharing those, those comments. I'd like to take it back over to Cornelia for a moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Cornelia, when you, when you started to, to say, okay, we're going to make this call, we're going to get yeah. going on it, yeah. uh, you first met uh, Rod, and then, of course, I'm sure you met Rob. Uh, yeah. what did you think you, you had something that was going to be a story that was going to be, uh, uh, powerful, uh, what was your sense of that at that point? Well, we knew it had the potential, but mm. all the way through making it, mm. uh, there was many points. Um, and when you see the documentary, you understand where things could have gone sideways mm. if, um, you know, there were certain situations where if Rod had made a different decision, we wouldn't have had a film, or at least we wouldn't have had the film that we had. Mm. So, you know, in documentary, when, especially when you're following a story as, as it's happening, mm. you kind of, you have a hunch, you sort of, you, you know 
you know what you hope yes you will get but you don't know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a gamble just like it was a gamble for rod to go mm. to trial mm. um and to um to make the decisions he made so um you know but i do feel like in the end if there are angels up there they were mm. on our shoulders all of us in that um that uh yeah so you'll watch the film and you'll understand. Yeah, and you, you really you were able to really get some some great stuff in that uh, in yeah. terms of telling the story. Yeah, uh, people were very open. Now, you know? and I'm wondering, yeah. you know, when I say that, I'm, I'm wondering yeah. about um, uh, Rob's uh, uh, mock trial that they put yeah. on. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's something that would always been have been available. You know, for people making a documentary. Well, you know, it's whatever. interesting. I mean, we filmed previously Matt and I with other lawyers, and and mm. we found Rob. Probably the most open. Mm. There was nothing. Everything was on the table. Um, actually, our first shoot was that mock trial, yeah. and it was just weeks after um, we initially met Rob and Rod. Mm. So that happened very quickly, and that was our first day. And once we filmed that, we knew this this was going to be very powerful. If you know, if everything would just play out mm. in, in the way that um, it did, in fact. Uh, now the other side of this, of course, the other person that was involved is uh, Patrick McMahon, and yeah. and um, he, of course, is featured in here, and he takes this one man uh, sort of uh, campaign yeah. to the church yeah. and has this big sign that he holds up, and, yeah. and um, it's quite something to see him you yeah. know, do that. Yeah. Well, he was the first one to lay a charge against Father Marshall, and so just do that first step. Um, was huge for him. And I mm. think once he did that and realized that taking those steps can actually affect change, he, you know, he took the first step. He went to the police. Um, when he uh, did that, about 17 other victims came forward. He went to jail. Father Marshall went to jail. And I think um, Patrick always, you know, it's part of his mission to make sure that that steps are taken so change can actually happen. You know, you mentioned uh, um, the cases, and of course, you mm-hmm. feature some of the other mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. their cases and what they settled for. Yeah, I, I thought that was again very uh, vulnerable f- of them to come forward, not yeah. only to put their faces and names on screen, but also the amounts that they settled for yeah. in this. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, for me, that's one of the most powerful moments in the film, actually, because mm-hmm. um, you just see the vulnerability mm-hmm. in these men. And um, and the the amounts, you know, it was only in, when we were in edit that we decided that we would go back to mm. each of the survivors and say, would you right. reveal the amount? And right. some, you know, some people had to think about it for a while. Sure. And for us, it was really just to represent the fact that that amount was a number. Mm-hmm. In the end, yeah. it's really about their story yeah. and their and who they are now and mm-hmm. the the money itself. And I think Patrick says it quite well really is almost irrelevant. It's yeah, just a number. Of course. Um, but it does put it in context. Yes. And it and it also is is how the church relates to them because mm. it's the amount of money that they right. were given for right. what, what you know, in compensation for what happened. Yes. So it's a complicated moment for me and yeah. I find it very emotional actually. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it it, it is uh, it is secondary, and that's why I didn't really want to bring it up. But yeah. it is part of the story because yeah. it, it it isn't about the money as yeah. we've been talking about, yeah. and yet it is something. You're in the courts. It's you know it comes yeah. down to that monetary yeah. uh, dollar value. But it's interesting. I think what you just said about it's a reflection of of what the church was you know uh, sort of evaluating them at yeah. kind of thing. It's it's kind of interesting in that yeah. way. And then, of course, uh, you, you know, um, Arad, you won your case, but it was appealed. And it took yeah. a year for you to get that uh, that answer back uh, from yeah. the appeals court. But, of course, uh, it came back in your favor. It did, yeah. Um, I, I, want, I want to jump to one more thing, and it, it goes back to, uh, to, to um, uh, Patrick and him standing mm-hmm. out in front of the of mm-hmm. church and... and mm-hmm. uh, and the, the the father of that uh, of that that that, uh, yeah. that father Steve-O. yes he he came out and asked them mm-hmm. uh, how can I how can I share your pain and then he repeated that a week later you're in church with him and he's yeah. he's uh, making that statement and I, I thought that that really stood out to me yeah. about um, that he picked up on that and he said he wanted to thank Patrick for actually giving him that statement which I thought again it's the victim that is giving the answers. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. That's the victims giving answers. And perhaps if they looked more towards the survivors mm. for the answers, this might end and mm. there might be some you know, real change. And the, the, the situation with Father Maurice was, I mean, it was, you know, totally happenstance that, mm. that it all happened. And in fact, Father, uh, Father Maurice Fristivo um, is a Brazilian as well. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he knew Father Marshall. Um, but he's come out to our screenings and has been really supportive of the film. And so we, you know, we really um, uh, are thankful for that. And, and I th- you know, I think sometimes we need to separate the institution from the individuals. I think it's important to remember that as well. And, of course, you, you mentioned uh, the, the institution, and yet mm-hmm. you do also get a, represent- a representative from the church that yeah. comes and speaks quite yeah. freely. Um, yeah. Father Kotelsky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, when we met with him, we said we wanted to hear about his mm-hmm. his side of the story. Right. Um, his job is to represent the church in these situations, in in court, in in civil litigation, publicly. And we we saw him in court. We were in court, you know, every day, and we saw him there. And we wanted to find out what it was like to to be him, to be in his shoes, mm-hmm. to be representing the church as an individual, but also. Speaking as a representative of the church, mm-hmm. I mean both both things, and he and he's he was open to that because I think he did want to share his side. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty apparent. I think. Yeah. Um, what's your takeaway from this? That's a big question. Um, my takeaway is that um, this whole idea of uh, not talking about things, of hiding it away of somehow the idea that to talk about it is to re-victimize people is really just works in the favor of of uh, creating more shame. And I think it's really important to open sort of the window and shine the light as, as, as Rod has done because that's the way to healing. Bearing it is not going to help. It actually comes out in other ways mm. that you don't necessarily know. So I think it's really, for me, it's about um, honoring people's stories, and that's what we hope, you know, we were trying mm. to do in this documentary, and allowing them a chance to speak. Mm. Okay. Um, we are quickly running out of time, unfortunately. It would be great to speak further, but um, I'm just wondering, uh, Rod, any, any final comments you'd like to make before we finish up? Well, I do encourage everyone to see Prey, the uh, documentary, um, and then to discuss it with everyone they know, because there are so many sexual abuse survivors out in our community who are silent, who are keeping the, their secret buried. And if you if you bring the topic up and and tell them about something that you've seen, or uh, you know, it's much more likely that they will open up to you. And these are people that we love and know and that are suffering and we don't even know it. So if we could just open the door as wide as we can and get them to, uh, uh, to know that they're in a, a safe space and that they can, they can finally unburden, I think we would have a, a tremendous outpouring in this, uh, in this society of ours. Mm, nicely said. We appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today, Rod, and, and share your thoughts and, uh, and, and to have shared your story in this film, Pray. Well, thank you for having us. Our pleasure. And uh, also, uh, you mentioned people should see it. One way they can see it is uh, it's a TVO production. It's going to have its national TVO broadcast and streaming premiere tomorrow, the 19th at 9 p.m. Cornelia, any fin- final words? Uh, I, think, I think Rod really spoke so beautifully mm. that yeah to to share to share i mean if you watch the documentary if it starts discussion if it starts other people opening up mm. if it starts some healing um i feel that uh you know i would feel very honored that we would be part of that healing process all right well thank you both both for taking time to uh, join us on moment of truth today it's been a pleasure having you both and i appreciate you uh Rod, for bringing your story forward, and Cornelia and uh, Matt Gallagher uh, for bringing the story forward in the way that they did in such a powerful and, uh, and uh, very straightforward and very compelling way. And you, again, you can see that. It's a TVO a broadcast national online premiere tomorrow night, 9 p.m. on TVO. And I uh, want to say thank you again to both of you for coming on the show today. Thank you, David. Thank Please, you. You're welcome. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Moment of Truth. 
<coughs> and welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. You could also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app anywhere across the country. If you type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM on the Radio Player Canada app, once you've downloaded it, that is, and installed it on your device, and you could be listening anywhere across the country. I'd like to welcome my next guest to the show. She is Zana Shami. She's the director of Untying the Knot. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our pleasure to have you here. And... You know, this, uh, this is a very, of course, uh, interesting, compelling story that, uh, that I imagine took some courage to bring forward. Yes, it is. And it is very close to my heart as uh, Romana Manzur, one of my main subjects. Mm-hmm. We went to high school together in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is really very important for me. You know, you mentioned uh, Romana, and uh, she's at the University of British Columbia, I believe now, or she's a graduate of of the University of British Columbia. Who, and and she was left permanently blind from a beating from her husband when she asked for a divorce. Her ex husband uh, basically gouged her eyes. Um, it it was a horrendous attack, which left her blind. And you actually show some of that in in the film. Yes. uh, We had to uh, show those scenes uh, to portray how brutal it was and what what was the incident. Mm -hmm. But basically, we want to show Romana as a survivor, as Mm -hmm. a a story. Her story is an inspirational story Mm -hmm. rather than portraying her as a victim. Of course, and that, uh, and and I understand that. But um, of course, these these things that you are showing is is to show uh, is to show the harm and the hurt and and the 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 the, the result of this attack on on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be left permanently blind in one eye—that's that's that's a horrible thing, of course. Now, she's not the only person that's represented in the story in this film. There are three other uh, women in the film. Uh, as I realized that uh, intimate partner violence is a very complex issue, uh, it's hard to understand uh, from just one story. Romana's story is uh, an extreme uh, incident, but there are a lot of other situations women are going through abuse. They... Uh, they experience abuse in different layer and different level. Mm-hmm. So it's not only physical abuse. Sometimes it's emotional. It's just controlling. So there are many layers and dimension. So I would like to show the complexity of the issue. So mm-hmm. we chose three different characters to show their lives. Right. For people that aren't familiar with with how marriage works in Bangladesh. Can you, can you give us a little bit of a background about how that is? Is it, um, is it arranged marriage? Is that how that? Uh, my, my characters, one of the characters, only she went through arranged marriage. Other mm. than that, it's, it is, uh, I would say that nowadays it's not anymore. Mm. Like arranged marriage is not that much popular anymore. It's more like, like the way it is here in Western country, we see like people uh, chose their own partner. Mm-hmm. So, and I would like to add here that intimate partner violence doesn't happen because of arranged marriage. Mm. It happens here in Canada too. And like it happens worldwide, unfortunately. One in three women worldwide experience some sort of abuse Mm. uh, by their intimate partner. So it's not because of arranged marriage. It's, uh, I would say it's, uh, it has more depth into it. It's more uh, patriarchal mentality. Mm. It's more uh, like controlling issue. There are a lot of, issues there as i mentioned it's a very complex issue mm. as you were saying that and you talked about the patriarchal sort of uh, approach 
Uh, and, and also, at one point, I believe, in, in uh, the film, it's mentioned about how uh, men have, uh, you know, a, a superiority sort of uh, a thought that they are better than women. And the other thing that came to me was the the excerpt of uh, of a this this Rada's uh, situation where you hear a beating taking place. It's it's horrible to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, one of one of the character uh, in my film, one of my subject, I would rather say. Uh, we heard uh, how uh, Valen, her husband, mm. gets when he's like mm. mad. Uh, he doesn't like uh, the argument. He gets really violent, and uh, it, it is very scary. Uh, but I guess, uh, as I said, that uh, marriage put those women in a situation, uh, and that's the reason we uh, name our film "Untying the Knot." Mm. So it's, I guess, uh, the way we see uh, in the film that marriage puts men in a hierarchy in control of their wives' lives. And that's how they see it, like men in general. Mm. So that's the reason they feel like they have the right to control their wives. Hmm. Um, I. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm wondering because I, I don't necessarily think that myself, you know. Uh, I'm married and I don't believe I have that, you know, that that's not the way I perceive it. But I, I'm just wondering if, if you know, I, I'm sure I don't, I don't deny that at all. Um, Your wife is really fortunate. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, now this film was, of course, the, was the official selection at the Mosaic International South Asian Film Festival. Yes, and we won uh, Sabine, Muhammad, uh, Sabine mm. Mahmood uh, Award for mm-hmm. uh, Courageous Film and Cinema. Yeah. yeah. Now, you just mentioned an interesting word there, and I think I talked about that at the top of the show, about the courage to be able to bring this forward, and the courage of these women to, to bring this, their stories forward. That can't be taken lightly, uh, you know, to put something on film where everyone can see it, uh, out there for everybody to view, uh, and to, you know, to, to maybe get back to the families and, and all of those things. It, it, it takes a lot of, a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, like... As as uh, there is a huge social stigma in back home in Bangladesh, like uh, regarding divorce, not not mm. only abuse, abuse. Uh, it's very hush hush, like no one talks about mm. it, mm. and uh, moreover, there is a stigma about divorce. So it's a it's a taboo issue. So I would. I would salute those women like they came forward and trust me to tell their story on camera. So it is hats off to them. Going back to um, the, I guess, the, 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 the premise or the idea about why you, you wanted to tell this story. And, and it goes back to your friend, Ramana. Um, when did you start discussing this idea with her about, about getting the story and sharing it? Uh, so the incident happened in 2011. Uh, the first reaction I had, I was in denial. I mm. I couldn't believe, literally, it shattered me. Mm. And the first reaction was, I need to, uh, like, see her. I need to reconnect, reach out to her. Uh, at that moment, all I wanted to see her. Uh, but then uh, when I, uh, like, after the incident, I went to Vancouver, I visited her, we spent some time together, and then we were talking about, like, how to create awareness, how women are, you know, uh, can stand up for themselves. There's a stigma and taboo. Mm-hmm. We started talking about all this thing, and then at that time I was uh, just graduated, fresh graduate from film school, and uh, I approached her, how about, like, making a documentary about that and at that time it was very raw for her she wasn't mm. uh, ready she was thinking she said that she wanted to tell her story but she needs some more time once she's ready uh, we can uh, talk about more so that's how uh, we started talking and back and forth uh, exchanging you know information and 
by this time I was digging out more, mm. doing my research, how to develop that story and what's the present situation in Bangladesh. Mm. That's how I uh, found out that uh, other subjects and the complexity, the dimension, different layers of uh, domestic violence. And so uh, you, you, you established this idea with her. You started to, I guess you left it with her. At what point did she come to you eventually or did you, you know, just did it just sort of evolve naturally? over? It's just time? evolved naturally because we were in we were, as I said, we were friends. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were in touch and I was uh, like uh, constantly in touch with her and we were exchanging information. How is like every time I'm going back to Bangladesh doing my research and all the information we shared, what is the situation uh, in Bangladesh and what is going on in her life as well. So we both were, it, it evolved naturally. At mm. some point, uh, she realized that now is the time. So, And uh, she she's a, a graduate of, of the University of British Columbia. British Columbia. In, in law, I believe. In yeah. law, yeah. She yeah. finished her uh, first master's and then she went to law school and she graduated from law school. Now, are all the women in Canada at this time, or are they... No, okay. the uh, rest of uh, them, uh, except Rumana, is in Vancouver. rest mm. of them, uh, they live in Bangladesh, yeah. When you, you completed this, um, I'm, I'm guessing you showed it to the women? I uh, haven't sh uh, get a chance to show the full film, but mm. one of the subject, Naima, uh, she came to Toronto for the, our Toronto screening, mm -hmm. so she uh, watched it. And uh, I guess other uh, two subjects there, we are having uh, India uh, or international premium today in, mm. in, in Delhi. Mm. So uh, they, uh, I guess a couple other subjects are going to be there for that screening, so... Yeah, is that what? What do you what do you think when you 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 know hear yourself that it's going to be premiered today in Delhi? What is that? What do you think of when you hear that? That is very exciting for me, right? I made this film to create awareness uh, to reach out mm. as many people mm. as possible. So when it is an international premiere and it's so close to Bangladesh, right? Mm. So and uh, the like, I'm very fortunate there. The film will travel. 12 different cities in India. So that is an amazing achievement for me. And congratulations on that. You know, it's Thank always... Thank you so much. It's always... And congratulations to the women who have brought their stories forward to share. Because as I mentioned at the top, it, this takes... It, it, it makes them vulnerable. Mm -hmm. and it, But it also takes a, a lot of courage to put themselves out there like this. So, And you couldn't have done it without them. No, like... Like they trusted me. That's mm. that's uh, I I have like I really I'm grateful to them that they believe that I can tell their story, and it's it's I I guess I'm lucky. Mm. <laughs> and and would you say that uh, Romana is is pleased with the result? Yeah, she loved the story. Uh, the way we said her story and her. Concern was we talked about that uh, every time uh, that I didn't want to show her as a victim. Mm. I wanted to show her as a survivor mm. so that people can like get inspiration. She is an inspirational mm. story, sure. right? So I want people to get that. And at the same time, she wanted that too. So we were on same page and the story showed how like courageous woman she is and so she's very happy i guess i i should say that like my best um, comment i got from romana's daughter she told me that no one could tell my uh, mom's story better than you so i felt like i don't need anything else <laughs> Well, that's very nice to hear that's 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 i'm sure makes you feel good now you just mentioned her daughter uh, what is her daughter's sense of all this? The incident when the incident happened, she was five years old kid. Mm. Uh, uh, now she is thirteen, so mm. Uh, mm. she understand. And Romana explained everything uh, to her, so she is aware of uh, the incident. She knows everything, and she watched the film. So mm. uh, yeah. And of course, being 13, she's old enough, uh, mature enough now to get a sense of the reality of and, and what this all means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
do you think that you you talked about how you you see Ramana and you wanted to show her as a survivor as and as an inspiration do you think that that her daughter sees her that way now yeah and uh, what i felt like her daughter uh she doesn't even treat her as a blind woman. She mm. is, Romana is her mother. Mm. She treats like the way she was. She was single-handedly raising uh, Anushe even when she was in that marriage, mm. uh, abusive marriage. But now, so it doesn't make too much difference to Anushe, her daughter, mm. because she saw Romana as a mother previously and uh, even uh, being blind, Rumana is doing everything. Mm. So she, it is for her, Rumana as a mother. That's all. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, she's she's the way she's always known her. Yeah, yeah. And what I liked uh, most that it's Rumana's daughter who told Rumana that mom. Uh, you can see me, but you can feel me. You can touch me. You can mm. see me through your t like touch. Mm. So I feel like that that is so powerful, right? From a young kid, that mom, you you can just feel me, and so I think that's amazing. Children say the most uh, profound things. Yes, they really do. Yeah. Um, I just like to let everyone know that they're listening uh, to Moment of Truth on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Zana Shami, and she's the director of Untying the Knot. And uh, that film is uh, has a, a premiere uh, on the documentary channel, November 24th, I believe it is. Yes, correct. Uh, anything else you want to say about that? or? I would like to say uh, for my audience that this story is not... Uh, domestic violence story or intimate partner abuse story. It's a story of resilience. It's a, it's a story of immense power. So everyone watch that and be. I hope people will get inspired by the film to take any action to stop violence against women and to join the fight to end partner violence. So I uh, just the, so we've been talking about this, but I'll just uh, read a little bit about what the uh, the press release kind of says. Untying the knot follows the incredible journey of Romana Manzur, yes, and a University of British Columbia graduate student who was left permanently blind as the result of a brutal physical a br brutal physical attack by her husband after she asked for a divorce. Manzur's story of strength and perseverance. As she continues, her pursuit of a law degree in Canada is interwoven with the compelling accounts of domestic abuse and social oppression for three Bangladeshi women, also fighting to protect their lives and identities, making a powerful Canadian debut uh, at the Hot Docs, which it did. And uh, as we, we mentioned, it's uh, going to have its debut, its broadcast premiere on the Documentary Channel, November 24th at 9 p.m. on Eastern Time. And uh, in advance of UN's International Day of the Elimination of Violence Against Women on Monday, November 25th. Yes. And as we also mentioned, it's gone on to be the official selection of the Mosaic International South Asian Film Festival. And as you mentioned, it was the winner of the Zabine Muhammad. Sabine Mahmoud. Thank you. Award for Courage in Cinema. Yes. Um, when, you, when you got that award you know, for courage in cinema. What did that say to you? It is very uh, rewarding for me as uh, I made the film, but all those subjects, it's I, I felt like this is for them because they are the brave who came on camera and tell their story. Mm -hmm. I just helped to tell the story through film mm. that's all so this this award is for them mm. and i guess any other woman that, that have a story similar to similar that similar story to come yeah forward and share it and get, gain strength from it as exactly you say. anyone can relate to rumana's story as like uh like if someone can finish master's degree and then join law school being a blind mm. so anyone can relate to her story that they can do anything to achieve their dream, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like it's such an inspirational story. Uh, I'd just like to read a little bit more about this. Uh, 
Untying the Knot explores the paradox faced by a new generation of educated and professional women in Bangladesh who find themselves caught between uh, patriarchal traditions, dominant social stigmas, and the the promise of modernity. The film provides insight into the lives of working women who struggle to assert themselves within the confines of marriage. Marriage is... uh, it's a it's a tough thing at the very at the very least, you know, um, and it's a, an, an ongoing and of course uh, evolving relationship mm-hmm. like anything. Um, anything else we've we've missed that you want to touch on that that you think we we need to explore or we need to talk about? We can talk about how Romana is doing now. Or sure, like... okay. How is she doing now? Romana is. Uh now working at uh, Ministry of Justice in Vancouver. So, yeah, she's doing fantastic. She she rebuilt her life in Canada, and uh, she's with her daughter, and her parents uh, is here with her. Mm. So she's doing fine. That's really nice to hear. Um, but I imagine, though, like any any abusive relationship, there's there's things she's still dealing with with regard to that as well. Yeah, they're like she's she's uh, advocating for uh, like women issue, uh, human rights, and all these things. Mm. She's giving uh, speeches and she's attending symposium, domestic violence, uh, different session, and all. So she's doing a lot. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Um, congratulations to her and uh, the courage for her and the other women to come forward and share their stories in this film. And congratulations to you for bringing the story forward. Thank you so much. It's important that we hear more of these kind of things so that we can end this kind of stuff. Yeah. I hope uh, this film will create that awareness and inspire uh, audience that uh, domestic violence is not a private matter. Mm-hmm. It is a public issue. Once you know someone is going through abuse, you should do something. Yeah. It is not anymore public. It is not anymore a private issue. Yeah. It's not behind the door. It is a public issue. You need to stand up. You need to do something to stop that. All right. Nicely said. Zana Shamishi is the director of Untying the Knot. It has its broadcast premiere on the Documentary Channel on November 24th at 9 p.m. And she has been my guest in the studio. I want to thank her once again for coming in and uh, bringing the story forward and uh, shedding some more light on this uh, film, Untying the Knot. That's our uh, show for today. I want to say nyao to her and uh, thank you for listening. We look forward to having you listen in next time right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. Until then, onigiha.